Well, no Tyler McComas on this Friday, which I did not know until this morning. I thought it was going to be business as usual, but I showed up to the studio. They let me know. No Tyler today, but guess what? I, Parker Thune, you all, some of you just listened to me for two hours alongside Mike Steely. Some of you are just tuning in now. I get to share the airwaves with intern extraordinaire Pierce Leffelholtz. I believe I have now made the complete circuit, Pierce. I'm pretty sure that every single one of our on-air personalities I have now shared the airwaves with at some point in time. How you doing, man? I'm doing all right. I also just found out about 30 seconds ago that it was just <laughs> me and you on the call today. So, Oh, boy. This will be fun. Well, okay. We're figuring stuff out on the fly. Obviously, the big news today is that the NCAA just passed legislation yesterday that permits prospects, that permits recruits to take unlimited official visits. They are no longer limited to five official visits. Now, the the limitation remains the same as far as individual schools. Each school can still only host 56 official visitors per recruiting cycle, but the players themselves can take as many official visits as they want. And so it begs the question, Pierce, (laughs) who's it going to be? Who's going to set the record for most official visits by any recruit in the modern era? It'll probably probably be a record that gets topped year after year after year because inevitably, as we have seen with, or rather since, the advent of NIL legislation in July 2021, As you get deeper into the game, guys figure out the game. And that is why you see the likes of David Stone, for instance, blowing up their recruitment on social media, making it the biggest deal, keeping every single fan base of every single school that's recruiting them on pins and needles, waiting with bated breath for the next post in a jersey, the next Twitter poll as to whose fan base can vote the most. And so you know that official visits are going to play into this thing, too, as well. Kids are going to take as many official visits, especially five stars, and we talk often on this show about five stars just being a different breed. I promise you there will be five stars that take double-digit official visits. But the really compelling question that presents itself, Pierce, and I'd love your thoughts on this because we're talking for the first time on the air. I feel the need to pick your brain. Um Does this affect the effectiveness of Oklahoma's recruiting philosophy? Because Brent Venables has made it no secret as to the manner in which Oklahoma recruits as a football program. From their standpoint, the way they view the recruiting process for each individual kid is, hey, you know what? We don't want you to commit until you are absolutely certain of your decision. Take as many visits as you want, and then... You're welcome to come back around and commit to OU. Now, that might have been reasonably effective when prospects essentially had to narrow things down to a final five before they took official visits. So, in theory, Oklahoma's only doing battle with up to four schools. But now, with these recruits able to take an unlimited amount of official visits – having the freedom to visit 15, 20, 25 schools officially if they want to, does that make Oklahoma's task more difficult? I mean, it it definitely makes it more difficult, but I feel like the big thing is we always talk about how the game is changing and how everything is changing 
and like people people knocked Mike Gundy for for not really hitting the transfer portal. And he wasn't changing with the sport, and I think that's going to have to be the same kind of mindset shift for Brent Venables. Is this was that was a good mindset the old way? Now you're going to have to shift to where you understand that all these recruits have so many other options. Each cycle, each player you're trying to get is competing with so many other schools. You're going to have to change that mindset. I feel like, or you're just you're just limiting all your options. I want to hear from you all on the text line, 405-651-3439. Obviously, we have a whole crew of locked-in text line loyalists that chime in throughout the show. What are your thoughts on Oklahoma's recruiting philosophy in light of the new legislation as it pertains to official visits? Let us know what you think on the text line. Again, 651 34 39 from the 918, does this mean student-athletes will start taking a boondoggle to the University of Hawaii? Man, this is that's always the conversation that crops up the most when you're just casually talking, recruiting with people. It's one of the topics that inevitably comes up here. It's like, okay, if, if you were a college football recruit, which five schools would you take official visits to? And inevitably, somebody goes, oh, Hawaii, no question about it. I'm taking a free trip to Hawaii anywhere I can get it. I feel like now, why wouldn't you? But it's it's got to be all the more difficult for schools like that, right? Schools oh, that are popular yeah. official visit destinations. Because if you're a school like Hawaii, and I know Hawaii is the one shining example, but even a school like Miami, and I get that unless you're a Miami fan, you don't really want to see Miami do well on the recruiting trail as it is. But how do you gauge, how can you gauge which prospects are actually interested in committing to your institution because you know that one of the things these recruits will do as they try to drive up the price of the brick and increase their NIL valuation is they're going to make it seem like there are 20 schools that they're legitimately considering when we know that's never true. I mean, they post the like people post the like offers list they have early on the recruitment and there'll be 40 different schools on their list on their edits on, on social media they're going to start to like this is going to be a real problem. I feel bad for like the schools like Hawaii because they're not this powerhouse of a program. Five stars might just throw a visit out there just to go see it because why wouldn't you? That's going to be a problem. I feel bad for them. And the schools, the recruiting staffs still have to be exactly as scrupulous and in fact more so as to how they allocate their official visits as they were before because now kids can take unlimited, but you only get 56 as an institution. You can sign a class of up to 25 individuals. You have 56 official visits to locate and lock down up to 25 high school signees. Now, the transfer portal adds a whole new dimension to things. But there are so many more intricacies to the recruiting game right now than there were even two years ago at this time to the point where and I, I saw this take populating all over social media last night in the aftermath of this news there will be talented people coaches recruiting personnel off-field support staff that leave college football because it's too much travail to handle do you think that'll happen I think it will now I don't know if it will be a mass exodus because I think the nature of recruiting the strategy, the thrill of the chase is something that's always going to appeal to a certain segment of coaches and personnel that occupy those jobs right now. 
But burnout happens, man. It's a real thing. No matter what walk of life you're in, burnout certainly happens in college football recruiting offices where you hear horror stories all the time. And in some cases, they're not horror stories because these are people that love their jobs. But talk about, how, hey, I'm I'm leaving my house at 6 a.m. I'm not getting back till after dark because that's how much work is going into evaluating, touching base, sending out camp invites, coordinating travel, making phone calls, making texts. There is so much involved and so much that I'm not even sure the casual fan understands is involved in the recruiting process. It's already so arduous, and now you throw this on top of all of it? I'll be honest, Pierce. I I have my concerns about how this affects Oklahoma's recruiting philosophy. I do. Now, I think if you're recruiting the right people, which is what Brent Venables and his staff have made every effort to do since they got to town, then to a certain extent you are somewhat insulated from all of it. You don't have to worry about it as much as a school like Miami, right, which has a very diametrically different recruiting philosophy that everyone kind of – people understand the nature of the way that Miami recruits. But it's going to make it harder on everybody. And you almost – I think you almost have to espouse – a recruiting philosophy akin to what Oklahoma is doing right now if you want to have some modicum of insulation from all of this. So, yes, I have my concerns, but I also think there are two sides to the coin. Let's get to the text line. I want to see what people have to say. From the 918, I'm afraid if Coach Venables doesn't change his visit policy, then OU will get left behind by top recruits. He needs to change his approach without changing the philosophy, if that's possible. It's an interesting thought there. From the 918, you're not limiting your options. The commitment rule is not affected by this new revision. The rule has always been planted in, we don't want you to commit until you know for sure. Jackson Arnold and PJ were early commitments and both never wavered. People need to quit telling Venables he needs to conform. And I see your point there. But what I'm saying is, I'm not talking about the commitment rule I'm talking about the competition with other schools. For instance, let's say there is a prospect that favors OU circa April-May after a couple of unofficial visits. But let's say this is also a kid who's got 40 offers and he's enjoying the process and he wants to see all the sites, hear pitches from every other staff before he makes his decision. In the past, what would happen is he'd have to pick five official visit destinations. And OU naturally would be one of them. But you'd only have to worry about one of those other four schools shifting the sands in the recruitment and knocking Oklahoma off the pedestal. Now you don't know how many you have to worry about because he can take as many official visits as he wants. From the 405, I'm going to trust BV and J.R. Sandlin over any text you read off. No, that's fair, and you should. You should trust this coaching staff. They're the folks that have been doing it for years and in some cases decades. I'm just interested in hearing opinions. Shane in Newcastle. I don't think there's a job out there that doesn't require touching base. Yes. From the 512, if I was Brent, I'm not taking somebody's sixth or seventh visit. That seems like a waste of time. And that's just another thing you have to gauge, right? If a kid's already taken seven, eight official visits, how confident are you? as a coaching staff, 
that you can show them something that they haven't already seen or that you can present your school as different. Maybe you have a ton of confidence, but I understand why there's some healthy skepticism if you're nothing more than the sixth or seventh official visit destination for a kid. Like, I feel like all the strategy behind the scenes that like we don't get to see with these like coaching staffs is going to be completely changed like the you're just laying it out and this is all like service level stuff but just thinking about the competition and how you don't know anything until that final official like commitment is going to be so weird because it's such a long process like there could be like you said like 40 different schools that are taken by official visits but you don't know if you have a dog in the race or even if he got official visits earlier on in his like recruitment and he's not even interested in those i mean all of this is just so weird Santa John says, OU Insider will have to hire a lot more people than raise the co- the price to a cost prohibitive level, which will necessitate me canceling my subscription. Tell you what, Santa John, as long as I am employed there, I will make sure that you never have to pay more than $9.95 a month. Promise you that. If the prices go up, I'll get you a discount. Just hit me on the text line if that ever happens. All right, let's hit a quick break, and when we come back, we'll continue talking the ramifications of these new recruiting regulations set in place by the NCAA yesterday. We'll talk some of OU's top targets. Of course, we will field your questions and thoughts on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. 405-651-3439. Stay here. Locked in on the ref. Homa Sooner fans. Parker Thune, Pierce Leffel, Holtz rolling with you here today. Text line open to you, 405-651-3439. Many of you chiming in with opinions about the NCAA's new recruiting policies that will allow prospects to take unlimited official visits. You want to take five official visits? Fine. You want to take 10? You can take 10, 15, 20, 20. You can take as many official visits as you want. The only asterisk therein, each school is still limited to 56 official visits that they can give out to prospects and Really good text a couple minutes ago during the break from the 5-8-0. And I think it's a very compelling point that warrants an expanded discussion. This new rule is going to hurt other kids because a lot of schools will be wasting their visits on a kid they'll never get who just wanted a free visit. Those wasted visits could have gone to someone they could have actually landed who may now have to go to a lesser program. And this is already an issue in college football peer. Uh, college football recruiting. Pierce, I'll give you a perfect example. Eric McCarty never got to take his official visit to Oklahoma. Now, <laughs> Eric McCarty didn't care because all that dude's ever wanted is to play for Oklahoma. But he didn't get to take his official visit to Oklahoma because OU ran out of official visits. Because there were guys like Richard Young and Dylan Edwards and, oh gosh, I... I don't want to go deeper down this rabbit hole, but you get where I'm going with this. There were so many official visits that Oklahoma as a staff doled out to guys that I would quantify as fringe targets last cycle, i.e. guys that in all likelihood were not going to sign with Oklahoma anyway. Now, you have to take a chance on some of those kids, right? you got to take a swing at a guy like Richard Young every now and again, the number one running back in the country, especially when he professes love for Oklahoma on social media. But at the end of the day, the end of it all, the cycle wraps up or gets close to wrapping up, and you still got holes to fill. you still got roster spots that need to be occupied. 
<laughs> all of a sudden, you got to be really, really careful about who you let take an official visit, and you got to really finagle your numbers. Of course, I can I can remember in November, right when Oklahoma is still trying to flip DJ Hicks. They hosted Damian Sanford, his best friend, on an official visit to aid in that effort, but. They also are bringing in guys like Ashton Sanders and Taylor Wine for officials, and thank goodness that the OU staff was able to lock down Ashton Sanders and Taylor Wine on their official visits because if those two guys had decided to go elsewhere, well, you're probably going to the portal to fill the roster spots that they ended up occupying. Could this end up helping the sort of lack of parity in college football? Whereas these big-time programs are going to end up having to waste some of their official visits and then some of the smaller programs will get you like a trickle-down effect almost? Here's what it's going to do. I think it's going to do two things. One, it's only going to exacerbate bag culture. right? Because a school runs out of official visits, they've still got roster spots that need to be filled, especially at a place with a lot of money like a Miami or an Oregon, they can just go, okay, uh, who do we want on our board that we really, really like? Uh, yeah, pick take him. Give him $150,000 to come here. And no, then it's no done. Then it's a done deal. Yeah. So that's already an issue that's proliferating quickly across college football. I think this is only going to enhance that. But moreover – I think it provides a really intriguing lane for the Kansas states of the world, the Iowas of the world, schools that recruit within a local bubble and are very, very intentional about developing relationships early in the process with players who actually have a desire to be there. And not only that, but those same – and I would throw Oklahoma State in this category as well – Schools that, yes, they recruit within that local bubble, but their focus is also on development of the student-athlete to the point where I think of Malcolm Rodriguez as a shining example of this type of thing, right? Oklahoma Oklahoma State recruits him as a two-star dual-threat quarterback out of Wagner, Oklahoma. Well, he spends five years at Oklahoma State, and he's an NFL draft pick and starting for the Detroit Lions as a rookie at linebacker. So... There has to be an emphasis at every single institution that's serious about winning going forward. There has to be an emphasis on not only recruiting, but also development, being able to squeeze the most out of the athletes that you do have. And there are a few schools that do that as well right now as Kansas State, Oklahoma State, Iowa, Iowa State. I think it provides a really intriguing lane for the Midwestern schools whose nucleus is highly localized. Yeah, and I think the more that I think about this, I think it's a bad like it's going to end up being bad for like the recruiting scene of college football, but I think it'll be good for the sport in the long run. Like you said, like it'd be good to see schools really develop their players like that. For example, I just found out Roshan Johnson was like recruited as a quarterback. Yep. I had no idea. Yeah. And he ends he's going to get drafted. And so something like that, I feel like that would be better to see instead of guys leaving earlier and having longer careers in college football. Gosh, was it the 2019 Red River shootout or was it the 2020 game where Roshan Johnson really put himself on the map as a running back? Because he did get to Texas as a quarterback. He was going to be a dual-threat quarterback for the Longhorns. But 
ended up being a dang good running back. It's worked out for him. He's going to hear his name called on draft day at the end of the month. From the 918, don't forget schools have to pay for all travel and entertainment for two people plus the recruit. Schools with lower budgets will get left behind. I'm really curious, and again, I bring up Oklahoma State in this conversation because from a recruiting perspective, they are a school that very much zigs where everybody else zags. When the recruiting budgets came out, a couple weeks ago, Oklahoma State had the lowest recruiting budget in the Power Five. So for a school that already blazes its own trail in terms of how they recruit and where they recruit, is there any school that just says, we're not doing official visits? You want to come here? You come visit on your own dime. And we'll get we'll roll out the red carpet for you, but we're not giving you an official visit. No way. Because right? we're not we're not playing that game. I I would think no. But there's got to be at least one that tries it, right? Well, I mean, because at face value, right, it sounds crazy. Right. He's like, okay, well, if you put yourself in the shoes of a recruit and you're looking at a school like that, you're thinking, well, they they won't pay for my visit. But then again, (laughs) the guys that are going to show up are the guys that are really, really serious about being there. They really want to be there. Man. So double-edged sword, two sides of the coin. I could see Gundy taking a stab at it. Jared asks, how about host fatigue from a player standpoint? I'm assuming you're talking about the players currently on college rosters that often are responsible for hosting student-athletes, uh, rather prospects, on their official visits. That I, I don't think that's really going to change, Jared, because, again, each school only gets 56 going forward. Another text from the 918, this new rule makes me thankful for Venable's rule and only reinforces the fact that college football needs to do away with the NCAA and get a commissioner. That's another really good point. Like, what does the NCAA even do anymore, Pierce? Why does the NCAA exist? That's a good question. That is a great question. The sooner we abolish the NCAA, and I've been saying this for years, but I haven't said it in nearly long enough. I'm glad this conversation is bringing it back to the surface. The sooner we abolish the NCAA as an entity – the better off college football is going to be. If I, I always talk about the evilness of the NCAA, and the story I always tell from it is the time, it was a couple of years back, where an offensive lineman wanted to transfer closer to home because his terminally ill grandmother never got to see him play college football, and they denied the request mm-hmm. for no reason, mm-hmm. for no reason at all. So I just, I, I, I support it. I support the abolishment of the NCAA. Abolish the NCAA. Hashtag. Abolish the NCAA. Get it trending on Twitter, Ref Army. I'm sure it's already trending somewhere. I'm sure you guys don't need to start it. We're going to hit another quick break here. When we come back, let's turn the page and let's talk about OU's top targets in the 2024 class. I'm going to be on the road this weekend up in Kansas City checking out a bevy of OU offers in the 2024 and 2025 classes at the UC Report Camp in Kansas City. So you got questions about any of those guys? You got questions about any of the targets on OU's board. Let's dive into what you guys want to talk about coming up on the other side of the break here on The Ref. Home of Sooner fans, the text line, 405-651-3439. Light it up and stay here. Winding down with you here on a Friday here on Locked In. It's The Ref, the home of Sooner fans, all across the Sooner State. Parker Thune, Pierce Leffelholtz here with you. The Rush coming up at 3, featuring former Buckus Award winner Teddy Lehman himself. Which, by the way, I guess Teddy's got a cousin or something. I don't know the exact relation, but Teddy and I were texting about it earlier. He's got a 
relative down there in Texas that just ran a 10.32 in the 100-meter dash. I don't know if it was at the Texas Relays or where exactly he ran it, but kid's name is Drayden Dickman. There's a name for you. Three-star wide receiver in the 2023 class that is signed to Rice. And Teddy, Teddy was pretty fast back in the day. There will, uh, I mean, you don't have to go very far to hear the lore of his visit to Oklahoma where he camped with the staff, ran a 4-4, and immediately got the Oklahoma offer. But sounds like Drayden Dickman might be suddenly the fastest member of the Lehman extended family. Teddy back in the day was fast. Are you saying he's not fast now? No, I'm saying he's not 4-4 fast. I bet you can get him to go If Teddy Lehman can run a 4-4 right now, I'll gladly eat my words. Listen, Teddy clearly still has more athleticism than anyone else in this office. But... I, I, I think I can safely conclude that he's not a 4-4 guy anymore. Certainly not a 10.32 guy in the 100-meter dash. Uh, Doc on the text line says, Has the Josiah Martin ship sailed? How many spring game commits? Timelines for Eli Bowen, Carney, and Wesco. Well, Doc, let's hit one at a time here. I'll go in reverse order. Timelines for Eli Bowen, Carney, and Wesco. I think all those th- three guys will be committed by the end of June. That is my belief. How many spring game commits? It depends on how you calculate those. Guys that go public after the spring game, guys that give the staff their word that they are committing after the spring game but don't announce for a while. It's just a question like that is tough to decipher and give you a concrete answer to, Doc, just because a lot of it depends on subjective interpretation of the question itself. I do think Oklahoma will get, at the very least, a silent commit or two at the spring game. And on the Josiah Martin conversation, Josiah Martin, three-star wide receiver out of Denton Geyer High School down there in Texas, former teammate of Jackson Arnold, right now one of the top targets for Michael Hawkins on the seven-on-seven circuit. Those two play together. They got a really good rapport. Obviously, Hawkins just announced his commitment to Oklahoma last Saturday as their quarterback pledge in the class of 2024. Josiah Martin's got over 30 offers, including Alabama. OU is not yet one of them. He really wants the OU offer, that much I can tell you. And to answer your question as to whether the ship has sailed, no, it has not. The OU staff, when the evaluation period opens next week, intends to get out there, take a look at him, and potentially extend the offer. Yet you must keep in mind that Jeff Lebby tends to like to see guys with his own eyes before he offers them, i.e. Michael Hawkins himself. So, If at the end of the month, Josiah Martin has not yet received his OU offer, yes, I think the ship has sailed. But let's wait for Oklahoma to get eyes on him in the evaluation period before we come to that conclusion. From the 405, any news on the UT wide receiver transfer? That would be former four-star prospect Brennan Thompson out of small town Spearman, Texas, out in the panhandle. And this was a kid that we talked about him earlier in the week, was very high on Oklahoma early in his recruitment process out of high school. However, Lincoln Riley elected to stop pursuing Thompson after he got commitments from Talon Shetron, Luther Bird, and Jordan Hudson, none of whom, by the way, ended up signing with Oklahoma. That is neither here nor there. So Brendan Thompson ended up coming down to a Final Four of Texas A&M, Oklahoma State, Clemson, and UT. Those were the schools that were in it at the end for Brennan Thompson 
He picks Texas, was there for a year, played in nine games, had one catch for 32 yards, played some on special teams as well. He's going to hit the transfer portal. This is a guy with blazing, blazing speed. In my opinion, he was the fastest player in the entire 2022 recruiting class when it comes to effective in-pads football speed. That dude's got bursts that is rare. He's a two-sport athlete. He runs track at Texas. He is going to enter the transfer portal when the spring portal window opens tomorrow. That has already been reported. It's already been announced. Oklahoma right now is the favorite to land Brennan Thompson's services. Now, I expect Texas Tech to be involved, being essentially the hometown team for Brennan Thompson. I expect that Arizona State is going to be involved by virtue of the connection between Thompson and his childhood friend Jalen Conyers, a former Sooner tight end who was on the roster back in 2020, four-star signee for the Sooners out of Groover, Texas, who eventually transferred to Arizona State and is currently on the roster there with the Sun Devils. But uh, until Brennan Thompson actually enters the portal tomorrow, there's not a whole lot more that can be added to the situation. But from everything I have heard, it does seem like OU is where Thompson wants to be. We will see if that changes. We will see if a school can change his mind once he actually is in the portal. But I can't think offhand. Text line can help me out here. I can't think offhand of a Longhorn that transferred to Oklahoma. Obviously, I'm a lot younger than some of you. So there may be one from back in the 60s or 70s that I'm just not familiar with. But a Texas to Oklahoma transfer, that is rare stuff there, Pierce. I mean, I've seen the opposite. I've seen a Sooner go to, to Texas recently. Uh, former long snapper for the Soon- Sooners uh, left over to Texas. He was from my hometown. Really? Yeah, yeah. We, we were really good friends with him. He was, an o- he was a Texas fan his entire life, and then he got the offer from OU, came up here, and then he wasn't going to get the starting spot for like three years. So he transferred back to Texas, and then he also didn't get the starting spot there. So who is this? Uh, last name Edwards. Edwards. How far back does Zach this go? Edwards, I believe. Zach Edwards. Okay. Zach Edwards. Yeah, he this... was at OU about three years ago. I think he might still be in like his fifth or sixth year at Texas right now. Okay, not familiar with it, but I mean, he was a um, long snapper. So I know Devonte Lampkin. We, we lost him way too soon this past year, but Devonte Lampkin was a guy that signed with Texas. I he, I don't know if he ever enrolled or if he just never played there. I know he signed with Texas, ended up leaving. He might have done a year at JUCO and then came to Oklahoma. I don't recall exactly what the situation was, but I do know Devontae Lampkin was a guy that signed with Texas and ended up playing at Oklahoma. That would have been 2015, if I'm not mistaken, 2015, 2016. From the 310, we did have an OU or an OSU Cowboy transfer to OU. Yes, you got one of those right now in Trace Ford. From the 580, just brought up Devontae Lampkin as well. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to go back to the specifics of that situation. I'm not sure if that entirely counts. Brennan Thompson suited up and played meaningful snaps in a Texas Longhorn uniform. So if he crosses the Red River for Oklahoma, that would be pretty unprecedented. I'm not sure exactly how unprecedented. Please, if you know more than I do on the text line, feel free to help out. From the 405, what about the Auburn defensive tackle that just entered the portal? That would be Jeffrey Emba. I do not expect him to be a Sooner. Don't expect that OU will be in the mix there. Uh, from the 405 as well, 
Is Bates going to whiff in this class like he did in the last class? Bates needs to get three defensive tackles. No, I do not think Todd Bates is going to whiff in this class like he did in the last class. And I don't think he completely whiffed in the last class either. There's only so much you can do if you're in Todd Bates' shoes about the David Hicks situation. right? At a certain point, your hands are tied. I don't know what else Todd Bates could have done. He was 20 minutes from getting the kid to uh, to uh, commit to Oklahoma, and then boom, here comes Jimbo. So that's not really on Todd Bates, in my mind. I, if I am critical of anybody in the DJ Hicks recruitment and how that all unfolded, it is certainly not Todd Bates. And I also don't know what more, what else that guy could have done in the Jordan Renaud recruitment. He lost out in a head-to-head recruiting battle with Nick Saban. Again, that's pretty acceptable in my eyes. Now, I will say I agree. He needs to get three defensive tackles. And the Sooners are in really good shape with quite a few right now. Will Nwaneri is an edge. I want to make that clear. Many of you have already many, – many of you that are regular listeners – have come to terms with that. There's still some that seem to believe Nwaneri is going to play interior at the collegiate level. But no, if you're talking defensive tackles in the 2024 class, the guys with whom OU's sitting pretty right now would be David Stone, Zadavian Sims, Nigel Smith, who isn't totally an interior guy, but I think there's a higher chance he moves in than there is with Will Nwaneri. And then very quietly, and here's a guy that's going to be at the OU spring game next weekend. Very quietly, OU leads for Joseph Jonah Ajonye out of Conroe, Texas. Four-star kid who is very quickly on the rise and that I think will be a top 100 player by the end of the cycle. That listener also add Bates slow played, Caden McDonald. I mean, I guess if that's how you want to look at it, okay, whatever. Zane says, I see Caleb Williams is going into the portal. Come on, Zane. If you're gonna if you're gonna try to lie to me, you at least gotta make it believable. South Dakota Sooner, why do we give Todd Bates haters airtime? Todd Bates is a good recruiter. Those people are so doom and gloom. I agree. The Todd Bates haters make about as much sense to me as the Ethan Downs haters, South Dakota Sooner. I don't get it. I'm just reading texts. Uh from the 405, here, here you go. Here's the story on the Devontae Lampkin situation. He signed with them, asked out of the NLI, and came to OU. So there you go. Signed, but never enrolled. That was what Devontae Lampkin did. From the 430, can you s- touch on some of the 25 running backs that OU is in on? I saw Caden Knighton signed with Vanderbilt. No, Caden Knighton didn't sign with Vanderbilt. He committed to Vanderbilt. That's still a guy that I think if he ever gets the Oklahoma offer, he will flip. Uh, Ravion Larry, another Oklahoma local from Ida Bell that Oklahoma is keeping tabs on, hasn't offered yet. Uh, quite honestly, it's a little bit early to start having the 25 running back conversation. There's still a lot that's unclear in 24, and I think that will have an impact on how Oklahoma approaches the running back recruiting situation in the class of 2025. Uh, So we'll see what happens this cycle before we start looking ahead to next cycle. Um, Ethan Towns is a starter on a 6-7 and team. We're in trouble if he starts against. There you go. Turns out the Todd Bates hater is also an Ethan Downs hater, which makes so much sense. I bet if you came up with a Venn diagram of Todd Bates haters and Ethan Downs haters, Pierce, it would probably be something that – closely resembles a perfect circle. (laughs) 
That is... It's a wild coincidence that immediately after follows up with Ethan Dad's hate. Just can't make some people happy. All right, we'll hit another break here. Come back, wrap up, locked in. Stay with us here on the home of Sooner fans. The ref, keep lighting up the text line, 405-651-3439. I guess I summoned the Ethan Downs haters, Pierce. I think you did. Here they all come. I just, there are many things. There are many things that do not make sense to me, Pierce. And maybe that's because I'm not the smartest person in the universe. I certainly do not claim to be. But one of the things that makes absolutely no sense to me is the hate on Ethan Downs specifically. It's amazing how many people text in regularly to bash on a guy that was second team all Big 12 yesterday. Like this text right here from the 580. Downs should not be a starter or the defensive ends will still be a problem. I like <laughs> it that take right there. And takes of that ilk regarding Ethan Downs are dense, they're ignorant, they're vapid, and they're thoroughly nonsensical, Pierce. I can think of six, seven other incumbent starters on this roster that don't get singled out nearly to the extent that Ethan Downs does, that do not have second-team All-Big 12 recognition on their resume. I don't hear anyone saying... Jalil Farouk, if he's a starter, the wide receivers are in trouble. I don't hear anyone saying, if Andrew Rames starts, the offensive line is in trouble. I don't hear anybody saying, if Isaiah Coe starts, the defensive line is in trouble. It doesn't make sense. Is there ever, like, a reasoning behind the Ethan Downs hate when they text, or are they just saying they don't like Ethan Downs? Like, do they ever give, like, a – like, you just said, if, they, if he starts, there's a problem. Why? Well, the listener that has been – christened Ethan Downs hater on the text line. Okay. So the Ethan Downs hater has referred to him as a block of steel with legs. So I guess the perception is that he's slow. I don't know. I I think we're on the verge of having to have an Ethan Downs positivity hour. That might be on the docket next week. We've done it for Ted Roof in the past. We're going to have to do it for Ethan Downs, I think. Pretty sure we've done it for Dylan Gabriel, too. Ethan Downs time is coming because – there is too much Ethan Downs hate for absolutely no reason. And I'm not here for it, Pierce. I'd say I'm not either. From the 832, the idea was that once Michael Hawkins committed, there would be a lot of commitments after that. All caps. When are we expecting that to actually happen? Oh, boy. I guess six days after Hawkins committed, since there haven't been any pledges following suit, people are getting antsy. I would say you can expect that to start happening next month. I think the trickle begins in the month of May. It may begin after the spring game. That's certainly on the table. The Hawkins family, going to be in town for the spring game. Michael Hawkins, going to be on the field for the spring game. Now, this is a kid that is very well respected in the DFW circle, and There will be those that want to follow him. There are those that want to play with him. But you should not expect an avalanche. No one should have expected that within the week after Michael Hawkins pledged to Oklahoma, there were going to be five, six kids from the DFW Metroplex that committed to Oklahoma as well. So let's temper expectations when it comes to the timeline. Just know that this is a kid who has influence and – I also want to provide some context here and remind people that 
Nobody knew Jackson Arnold was the force as a peer recruiter that he is and was until like August or September of last year. And that's because up until that point, he'd stayed out of the limelight. He hadn't done a ton of interviews. He was working in the shadows. And that's Mike Hawkins' MO, man. That's what Hawkins is what that's what Hawkins is doing and what he will continue to do. Just because you don't see Hawkins all over Twitter uh, quote tweeting every single top five or huddle tape or track video with Boomer, OU, something like that. It does not mean that he is not actively peer recruiting behind the scenes because he is. Uh, for the 405, can we just ignore the Downs hater texts? You will ignore a lot of my non-hater texts, so I know it's possible. I'm sorry, 405 listener. I don't know your name. I would apologize to you personally if I did. We try to get to a lot of texts. We try to get to as many texts as possible. Can't get to them all. And unfortunately, sometimes the negative ones, overru- they overrun and override the positive ones. Gunny of Stutzman Army. We'll close with a text from him. Ethan Downs is a great young man who comes from a wonderful family. Very simple observation, but a great one. Also has a tremendous work ethic. Second team All-Big 12 last year. And I don't think it's out of the question, Pierce, that he could be first team All-Big 12 this year. I would like to see that happen, if only for the sake of sticking it to the Ethan Downs haters. That is all for this week on Locked In. For Pierce Leffelholtz, I am Parker Thune. Keep it right here. The rush comes your way next. I'll see you Monday.